Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So today I want to talk to you about um, really the topic of joy. The topic of joy. I don't know about you, as I was growing up and I seen some faith leaders or people who were Christians, sometimes, not always, but sometimes I maybe could have fallen for the misconception that as you got holier or maybe more fired up for Jesus, you became more miserable. Anyone believed or thought that? It's a common misconception. It's a weird thing, but it's also very easy to believe. When you look around you, maybe it's some faith environments, and you go in and it feels a lot deader than the pub you came out of. Post getting saved. You're starting to wonder, like, what have I signed up to? I thought Jesus was supposed to give life. I, suppose, I thought God was supposed to to be the giver of life. He breathed life into dead bones and we came alive. But this looks like less. And so we got to be careful we don't fall for that misconception. See, this is, this is a really good point, I feel. Um, I think in some points of the Scriptures and in the biblical narrative, we see Jesus suffer, we see him die, and that's a pivotal point because that's when everything changed. He went to the cross, he suffered, he confronted sin, and he became a sacrifice. And what can happen is we can see, you know, the message of heaven and hell. We can see the message of the cross, death, resurrection. Essentially, it was, it was victorious. But we can focus so much on, on some of the things. And we've came out of that, a Suffer Well series. It's a part of life, yes. But, but we've got to understand that God's uh, maybe anger or, or God's um, sorrow at the world that we live in is a temporary state. It's a temporary reaction to a fallen world, which means God's normal state is a state of joy. Jesus' normal state was a state of joy. He was never in a rush. He was never in a panic. He even was able to suffer well when it was the worst of the worst, because why? His normal state was joy. And if we're not careful, we can begin to believe that as we get holier, we become more miserable when it's actually the opposite should be true. The more holier we get, the more life we have. The, the more ability we have to endure hardship with joy. The more opportunities we have to dig deeper into the life that God has access to, that, that we even have peace during what, what looks like a storm. It doesn't make sense to the mind, but it becomes a reality when we're connected to this person, Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so it says, this is a verse that a lot of us quote, a very famous verse in Nehemiah 8 and 10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'll just read it all out. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. The day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's nearly like a command. Do not, like, make a choice. Do not grieve. Stop grieving. Get some food. Get some JP's chips in you like we had yesterday and some JP's ice cream, honeycomb specifically. And make a decision to celebrate today because you actually have the choice. One of our values as a church is joy 
is our choice. We're making the decision to choose joy because there's a decision to make. And so what's actually happening in that, in that circumstance that this, is, this scripture has been written, it's been quoted and quoted and quoted, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy of the Lord is my strength, is they're in a recovery process. The city has been lost, the city of Jerusalem, and Nehemiah is that famous character within the Bible that rebuilds the city. And so they're in a state of loss. They've missed out. Sin has captured them, and they're, they're paying the price of sin. They're now in this state where they've been, been away for, for decades from the land. They feel like they've lost favor with God. Maybe there's some people in here in the exact same location where you're in a state of rebuild. You're, you're, you're at a crossroads where sin has caused loss, whether it's your sin or someone else's sin, has caused loss in your life, and you're just facing loss. It seems like a dead end. It seems hopeless in some ways. And it's very easy to lose your joy as you look at circumstances, as you look at the world that you're living in right now. And Nehemiah is nearly speaking to us in a sense through the Spirit of Christ, is that, hey, it's time to celebrate some stuff. It's time to choose joy again. You don't have to let go of the life source that God has given you just because circumstances have not worked out. Can I get an amen? And so we have got to be careful too that we don't wait until we rebuild the city before joy enters our soul. That, this is probably their mindset. Oh, we can't be happy again until we get back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. We will not be happy until then. So that means I can't experience the joy of the Lord until then. Nehemiah said, no, you need the joy of the Lord now because it's the strength that you need to rebuild your life. It's the strength that you need to overcome the power of sin and slavery in your life. You have to change your mind, your identity. And if you don't have joy, you don't have strength. And the same applies for you and your situation, depending on what you've believed. If you're waiting on tomorrow to fix itself before you can have joy, tomorrow won't fix itself. The walls will not be rebuilt. Nehemiah understands some things that we need to understand today is that joy is for today, it was for yesterday, and it's for tomorrow. Because that's God's, that's Jesus' normal state of living in joy. Are you with me? And so, I want to speak a message today called Losing Isn't an Option. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, the Father, with you we have victory. With you we can't lose. I pray you speak deep into our soul today that we would submit and surrender to your way even when it doesn't make sense in our mind and we would trust you with it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Losing isn't an option. You know, when you're in sports, a lot of the times your coaches, I've been in change rooms countless times, and the coaches telling us losing isn't an option. Half time, you're getting beat. Hey, guys, losing isn't an option. And really what the coach is trying to do, he's trying to give us a kick. Wake up. We don't have a choice to lose. You better perform well enough. You better wake up and start playing better so that the mission that we have can come to fruition, so that we can actually overcome 
that we'd actually win this game. It's in you, but we've got to pull it out. But, but I think, I think what Paul, we see in Paul in the book of Philippines, what we see in Nehemiah here, that there's a little bit of that, but I think there's more than that in this story because, you know, the gospel message isn't a message where we have to perform to please God. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. And so the first thing we have to understand that victory is already ours in Christ. So we're free. So now we get to choose, do we want to build something? Do we actually want to make a difference? And if you have the love of God in your heart, well, hopefully the answer is yes. Hopefully it matters to go out and serve when you see the people behind the story. I think that's probably what renewed a lot of our hearts yesterday was that there was people behind our serving. It wasn't just serving to perform to please a God who's distant. No, it was seeing God in the near and the up close through people's hurt, through people's neglect, through people's uh, maybe disabilities. We were coming in to, to be God's ability to fill in the gaps. We seen the heart of God, but He came close. And so... We've got to be careful that we don't live life and we allow life to rob the joy that God has for us. See, sometimes it, it can seem that life causes us to lose joy. Circumstances causes us to let joy go, to give up on joy. And our hearts become numb and hardened and, and broken and they stay that way. And so the question is today, how do we get that back and can we keep it? There was an author once said that life is living and waiting to live. Life is living and waiting to live. What do you mean? I think what he meant was that sometimes we live life waiting to live. If, if we could just have Jerusalem built, I'd be living. If I could just be married right now, I'd be living. If I could just get to this university or this school or have these friends, I would be living then. I'd have joy then. I'd be happy then. I'd have contentment then. But that's not what we see within the Bible. There's something we're missing. There's something we're not getting. There's something deeper, greater, bigger. The life source that God gives us can creep into darker spaces in our soul than we maybe believe right now. Someone else said that life is what happens when you're busy. <laughs> life is what happens when you're busy doing life. Have you ever came to a, a place um, or revelation where you've maybe been at camps or been to work or been, uh, you know, you've grown through the years and decade, decades have passed and then you come back to the years that you maybe just were busy doing schoolwork and you think, oh, back then at that school, there were the days. I was living then. But when you were living then, you were hoping to be an adult and get your driver's license. And then you became an adult. Actually, Nathan shared this this morning in ESPN. He said, you become an adult. You're like, I, di I didn't suspect all the stress. No one told me about the weight, the burdens. I was living, but hoping to live later. I was busy and waiting to live over here. And then I'm looking back now where I was hoping to live elsewhere and thinking that was living. What's, what's going on 
in this story. What, what's wrong? What, what am I doing wrong? What am I believing wrong? See, maybe God has designed us not to live in the future, but in the presence. Maybe God has not given us joy for the future, but in the presence. Maybe God has not just given us joy when things aren't busy, but, but God has given us joy when we're busy and when we're not. We have access at all times, at all places. And we're going to dig in. Because we're not living doings. Come on, Liz. We're living beings. We're not supposed to just do life, go through the routine of life, just go through school, just go through uni, just go through work placement, just go through jobs, just go through family. We're supposed to be in family. We're supposed to be in jobs. We're supposed to be in conversations without our phones for at least five seconds. <laughs> We're supposed to be in relationships where we actually look at someone in the eye. Wow. Mad concept. We're supposed to feel hurt at times and mourn. We're supposed to be present in the morning and in the rejoicing. We're supposed to be there. Not just do there. Be there. How often do you hear I'm just waiting for the weekend? I get it. I understand it. I'm with you. I'm tempted to go there. But the joy of the Lord is for a Monday as much as it is a, a Sunday and a Saturday and a Friday night. And na, 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 na. It's Friday. <laughs> See, the culture's doing Living for the weekend. That's not a song. I just, you know, just. Could be. <laughs> give me a beat, someone. Live, do you see what I'm saying? But, but what, what if God could give us access to his joy in any circumstance, anywhere? How would our life shift if we believed it was true? And then we start to experience the reality of that. We can't lose. I remember moving to Florida, and, and obviously everyone over here thinks about sun in Florida. People in London right now are experiencing Florida weather without the aircon. I spoke to Luke Brenning yesterday on the phone, or two days ago on the phone. He's like, everyone's congratulating us that we've got 37 degree heat, and we're not sleeping all night. Because we're not built for it. I remember going to Florida, and, and, and everyone's like, oh, you're going to be in the beach, you're going to be everywhere, and da-da-da, and honestly... I was like kind of half believing it and I got there and I grinded. Done 70 hours a week, found out in the American culture they get 10 days off a year. What on earth? And obviously I, I fired into that culture working 60, 70 hour weeks for free in a church, washing toilets, putting bulletins down, putting chairs out. Nothing's changed by the way. But, but one thing I found when I went out there, I was like, oh my word, people actually have problems. Oh my word, there's depressed people here too. Oh my word, I'm feeling a bit lonely and, and I've had days where I haven't felt content. There's days where I've felt like giving up as well. The sun's shining, absolutely, it's hot. And I can't breathe. But yet again, that mindset of, I'll wait to live when? 
I go on holidays. Until I get to the weekend, until I get to a location. And what I realize is the joy of the Lord isn't in a position, it's in a posture. The joy of the Lord has access everywhere you go, in every circumstance, in every situation, but it's a posture. It's not a position. It's not a country. It's not, it's not another person. There's only one person. It's Jesus. The foundation, the rock on which we stand. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the seer's business of heaven. Joy is the seer's business of heaven. We maybe don't talk about joy enough. C.S. Lewis learned through all his years that joy is the serious business of heaven. It's not just on the side, it's, it's primary. It's a top and center. It says in John 15 and 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my, this is Jesus speaking, I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. What's this? I've told you this so that you, sorry, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that it may be complete. If you want the joy of the Lord, it begins with following and obeying Jesus. Some of us, we want the joy of the Lord but we're not doing things God's way. And so we, we can't have one without the other. That's why we need acts of surrender. God, I'm going to do things your way, even though I don't want to go to serve dead today because I want to sleep in. I'm actually going to, I made a commitment, I'm going to go. And on the flip side, joy. On the flip side, purpose. On the flip side, on the full picture, I've got full joy, complete joy, because I don't think it's God's way. Servanthood, servant leadership. So we're going to focus on a few scriptures here in the book of Philippians. Why? Because this is what people would say is the happiest book within the Bible, the most joyful book within the Bible. And, and if you look at the context of what it was written in, it doesn't make sense. Because it's written while Paul is in jail in chains, literally locked up in a cell. Some of you remember, uh, it reminds me of Neil talking about how he was in a maximum security prison in one of those cells that he couldn't be around anyone. And he said, it was the place I had the most peace. Because all I had, it was me and the Bible. Joy. This, he says, I've never been as content as I've been in a cell locked up. That doesn't make sense to us. And then I, I listened to Mike Tyson. Anyone know Mike Tyson? He loves ears for dinner. And he was sharing, it's funny, this is just his words. He says, I think God's punishment for us is possessions and money. And I was like, what? And he started to speak about his time in jail. He says, he says the time I had in jail was the, the most content time I've ever had. He had a sense of joy in a, in a place of confinement, in something that we would say is the opposite of freedom, he's basically saying he had the most freedom out of his whole life. 
And so this thing called joy, what is going on here with Paul in the book of Philippines, verses 12, it says this. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped, what's this, has helped. He started on a positive spin. First thing I want to tell you, has helped spread the good news. What's his foundation? What's his priority? God, Jesus, the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So he's saying, people actually know because I'm in chains, it's actually helping further my purpose. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence, another positive, and boldly speak God's message without fear. He's just rhyming off in jail, locked up. Oh my word, because I'm here. I was looking for a stage to present the gospel to people, to, to preach Jesus. I've now got the stage. I'm trying to encourage believers. Now they're encouraged. I'm trying to get the message to the world around me. The message is going forth. God spun this situation around. So there's a few observations uh, in this text that stand out to me. And the first one is, in all circumstances, we can find joy. It is possible. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is possible. It is possible. Paul teaches us that joy can be experienced despite circumstances. See, chains are heavy. Chains are awkward. Chains are limiting. They're inconvenient. They're frustrating. But when we, we go through the filter that Christ is our foundation, He is our mission, things spin around. God uses these things for His glory. Secondly, chains can either break my joy or joy can break my chains. Chains can break my joy or joy can break my chains. When I was in the States and uh, doing that leadership college and there was one guy on staff, you know, there's about 100 people on staff and there's this one guy. Every morning I would come in, he was a surfer. So you can kind of picture him, long, skinny, six foot four. And he used to have this statement, oh Yeah. I'm not even kidding, every day. You come in, in with this coffee, his latte, macchiato, whatever it was, half hot, half cold, whatever, foam on top, cream. Walk in, his big baggy uh, jeans, flip-flops, big baggy t-shirt. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, first day, dead on, mate. I'm still waking up, like, keep the noise down. You better not say that again tomorrow. Walk in tomorrow, coffee, rolls in, flip-flops, baggy jeans, baggy t-shirt. Felt, oh yeah! Mate, this proceeds one week. Oh yeah! Two weeks. Oh yeah! One month. Oh yeah! One year. Oh yeah! Come back. To Northern Ireland or Ireland, as they would say, 
on the video chat to an extension gathering that time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Phil, when he come back, oh, yeah. Things hard over there, Phil. Oh, yeah. Have you raised your funds for the next year? Oh, yeah. On and on. Positive, positive to the point where I was negative. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's positivity is so positive, I'm negative now. Stop being so positive. So I remember saying to him, hey, I'm struggling with money. God, your provider, Jehovah Jireh. I feel insecure. God, you're a rock, a firm foundation, Phil. Someone just broke my heart. Your God's a hater. And your weakness, he is strong, Phil. Someone just stole my car. God is going to provide your every need. Cast your cares on him. And you know what? It actually frustrated me, but he had joy. For every problem, he had an answer. He had a scripture. He had joy. He was consistent with it. And to the point I started to have to realize this is just him. I thought he faked it for at least three months. I didn't want to talk to him. But he's still all oh, yeah, in today. <laughs> I don't know if he's the best person to be a counselor. But he's certainly the best person to set the tone for joy in the church. And he taught me something that joy is possible. And it is a decision. It's not just a personality. And sometimes, for some of us, it's more of a decision than others because of personality. But it is important. And it is possible. And so we got to realize that we still serve the same God who shows up back with Paul. He shows up today. Do you believe that? And some of you are in circumstances that seem impossible but I'm telling you that Paul would tell you and Jesus would tell you that joy is possible too. Your perspective and your posture can shift. It's a choice. I'm, I'm telling you today what I'm hoping we get is something deep down in our spirit, not a fluffy surface idea or message, something that marks the deepest part of you that you begin to believe where you never once believed that joy was possible. See, we serve the God who says that through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You can quote that, but you can also believe it. We serve the God who says, does anyone that still believe in a God that breaks chains? Are we just here playing games? Because the joy of the Lord cannot access your soul until you believe. Belief is your access point. And it's a choice. At its purest form, it's a choice to believe in Christ. It's a choice. It's a decision, a deep-rooted decision to say, yes, he's a chain breaker. See, God will either break your chains of suffering or he'll use your chains of suffering. Whether he breaks it or uses it, you cannot lose. We cannot lose See, often, well, actually always, God doesn't quit. We quit. God never quits believing. Never quits on your purpose. Never quits on your value. But we quit. We quit. Our perspective on perseverance often dictates whether we have joy or not. That's the game changer. 
It's our perspective. And I want us to dig in just for the next few minutes on what Paul's perspective was. Watch this. I'm going to read that scripture I read out earlier in the message version. This is Eugene Peterson. This is, watch, watch closely. This is what he says. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has prospered. All, all the soldiers here and everyone else too found out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah. This thing's moving forward. It's having the opposite effect of diminishing my value, diminishing God's purposes, diminishing my joy. I'm starting to get more joyful. What the enemy tried to, to use to destroy us and the purpose of our church and the movement of the church has actually had opposite effect. Find out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah. That piqued their curiosity. I love that part. That piqued their curiosity. And now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever before. Speaking out fearlessly about God. God established through trial, through circumstance, through negativity, through resistance. God actually established faith. He established identity more in Christ. He gave them more joy and more strength through a situation that should have diminished it. And watch this. It piqued other people's interests. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Someone needs to see you suffer well. Because for some reason, in our human minds and our human spirits, we're more attracted to when people are feeling than when they're winning. People notice your victories, but they can't keep their eyes off your defeats. Someone needs to see you suffer well. There's purpose in the suffering, but there's also joy. When you find that, you, listen, none of this, all of this is irrelevant if Jesus is not your foundation, if his purposes are not your goal. That's why our life does best with the firm foundation that is placed on Christ. That's why it's there. In the world that we live today, if it bleeds, it reads. <laughs> drama. Actually, drama is probably the best way that the church moved forward in the past. When they confronted society, when they confronted problems, when they confronted the religious people of that day, there was confrontation and there was drama and the church grew. There was separation and division and the church grew. Suffering is creating a stage for God's glory. The stage that we've always prayed for and wanted. You want God to move in your family? Well, you need a stage. You want God to move in your spouse or your friends? You need a stage. Because it's only on the stage that people are listening. Sometimes the best avenue into people's hearts is for them to see you travel through your weakness and through rejection, and through issues, and God will do an amazing work in your life. 
Philippines 15 to 19, it says this. We're finishing up. Dylan, it's your time. Verse 15, it says, It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. Now, let's stop there. You know, sometimes in church, you find people in church slagging other churches off because they don't do it the way they like it done. They don't play the music the way they like it played. They don't wear the dress code that they want them to dress. Now, this is what Paul would say. They preach because they love me, for they, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. Oh, that's a problem. He recognizes there's an issue. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. They're making it harder for Paul. Watch this, but that doesn't matter. But I'm not, I'm not getting wrapped up in that. But that's not the main thing. But I'm not letting, I'm choosing not to let that steal my joy. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. What does it matter? I'm not getting, wasting my time getting wrapped up in silly arguments when there's a lost and dying world out there that needs to know that Jesus loves them. And listen, God's the judge. I'm going to let him deal with you. But as a church, we'll never be a church that criticizes other churches. If they preach Christ, crucified, death and resurrection, your brothers and your sisters, <laughs> your motives are your problem. That's your consequence to deal with. You'll never be content if you're doing it for that reason anyhow. And so we're going to champion you. We're going to support you. We're going to build you up. We're going to be known for what we're for, not what we're against. This is, a, this, this is all attached to an attitude that holds on to joy. Yes, some people hurt you in your life. Close to you. Friends, family, marriage, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to waste my time speaking bad of you. I'm going to speak life over you. I mightn't be in relationship with you anymore, but I'm not going to let you steal my joy. Just like Pete said, I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward. Joy is my choice. Jesus is my message. The message about Christ is being preached either way so I rejoice I'm going to celebrate I'm going to pick out what I do like and I will continue to rejoice I'm committing to rejoice consistently over a long period of time for I know that as I as you pray for me that what's this the spirit of Jesus helps me this will lead to my deliverance he's speaking faith over a situation listen I'm not where I want to be but not I'm not where I was God's developing joy in me He's using this resistance to help build me and to build his church. I'm seeing outwardly with positive eyes of, of faith. I'm believing for better. I'm going to get delivered. But watch this. It keeps going. See, God has most glorified us when we're most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. I'm not into controlling people's motives. 
There's only one name that matters. That's what Paul's saying here. Not into controlling everyone's story or situation. I'm preaching Christ. And if they can get that as their foundation, they've got a firm one. See, Jesus is winning even when it looks like I'm losing. And see, when that becomes your priority, your perspective changes. Your values change. You're no longer trying to hold on to your life. And every part of it, you've let it go. God, you know my situation. You know my circumstance. God, you've given me everything I need that pertains to life and godliness, it says in 1 Peter. God, I can do whatever it takes to bring kingdom, the kingdom of heaven to earth. Your will be done. Surrender. See, maybe sometimes we're trying too hard to be happy when maybe we need to try harder to make Jesus our foundation because true joy begins with Jesus. What does it even matter, he said, if what they're saying about me? Yeah, they're making life a little bit harder for me, but what's it matter? In the grand scheme of things, will it really matter? No. And he finishes with this. This is really important. Verse 20. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Now, you know, Paul isn't saying this in like a suicidal way. He's saying this in a way of like, I'm excited. Actually, I would, it's better for me to go and to die right now in chains. It's, I'm actually joyful about it. I'm actually excited about heaven. I'm excited about every tear being wiped. I'm excited about my body X being gone. I'm excited about complete union with Christ. It's, it's not this miserable thing. It's this exciting thing. So I don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Why? Because they need a leader. They need a shepherd. This is, this is why it's so important that we honor the leaders that we see around us at every level in the body of Christ. Because he's nearly flipping it. So often we can get so critical of our leaders. The Bible even says that the politicians have been put in place by God. And specifically within the church here, what is he saying? He's saying, so often we say, oh, that leader's not good. They've got all these little faults and I can see all these little weaknesses in them and we're going to find those and we're going to talk about those over the dinner table and we're going to shut them down. And Paul's had all that and he says, what's even matter? Talk away. But I'm going to be known for what I'm for. See, maybe the flock, maybe the people of God, maybe God's priority isn't we're trying to find each other's faults. Maybe God's priority is that we're trying to lift each other up. Maybe Paul's saying, listen, I don't actually need to be here. You need me to be here. The church then needed him. He didn't need the church. A good pastor isn't there. A good leader isn't there for the people to 
to massage his ego. He's there to lay down his life as a sacrifice for the sheep. And so God has called every person in this room to lead, whether it be family, whether it be in work, to represent Christ. You maybe don't need those people in your life, but they need you. You might be their only chance of seeing Jesus represented as they watch you suffer well with joy in your heart, choosing joy, as they watch you endure the good times and the bad, as they watch you not criticize others, but speak well, you're shining bright. They're watching, they're piqued, their attention is on you, and that will bring them to the person of Christ. You see, what we see here is life versus even more life. That's what Paul says, listen, if I stay, I bring life. And if I go, there's even more life. I can't lose. Losing is not an option. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.